Welcome. You are listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, and this is Rabbi Elliot Cosgrove. While it's always better to hear it live, this is a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. Enjoy our latest installment. Shabbat Shalom. I'm doing something you should never do, which is um, starting, starting a sermon with something that my wife said, I don't think that's that funny, but uh, it's, it's what I want to start with. So um, there's a game that my wife and I like to play, even though she doesn't think it's very funny, which is things that there should be German words for that there may or may not be. Now, when we were in Israel, we, uh, we became very close with uh, a German woman who would teach us these different German words, and for your benefit and hers, I'm not going to try to say them, but they have some have beautiful meanings, like the color of the sky at sunset, or, uh, or the, this is one of my favorites, the thing where if you think you've plugged your phone in, but you haven't actually plugged it in, and so it doesn't charge, and you come back to it at the end of the night, and it isn't fully charged, there's a word for that in German. Or something that I think there should be a word for is when you text someone that you're on a Zoom call with a joke, and then you watch their Zoom screen to see when they do the like, <laughs> And you're waiting for that laugh. There should be a word for that moment of staring at someone's Zoom screen, waiting for a laugh. Not that I do that during work meetings, Rabbi Cosgrove, if you are listening. But a made-up German word that I absolutely love is, and I'm going to try this one, is Spanningsbogen. And I'm going to tell you what it means in German is something like Arc of suspense, and I think it's used in literature or movies, the arc of suspense that creates tension in some way. But the way that it's used by one of my favorite authors, Frank Herbert, in his book Dune, I know, German words and science fiction novels? How fascinating is this? Okay, but just give me a second, please. This word that Frank Herbert says, Spanningsbogen, means something like the span of the bow, of, of, of a bow and arrow, which he defines as... The self-imposed delay between wanting something and reaching out for that thing. Okay? The self-imposed delay between wanting something and reaching out for that thing. And Herbert creates a, a fictional group of people who are, he calls, masters of that moment of restraint, of delaying before reaching out for something. And he turns them into this almost superhuman group of people because they have mastered that one thing. And the ability to restrain oneself, he thinks, gives you almost potential infinitely to do many things. And if there is a real-life people in this world who have perhaps mastered or put that same idea at the core of who we are, it might be the Jews. We have spent millennia, millennia, waiting for things that we want for the Messiah. The, the rabbis tell us that a person could spend their entire life just waiting for Moshiach, and it would be a life well-lived. We impose this in our, on ourselves. We teach this idea of how to restrain oneself before reaching out for the things we want in many ways. We do it through brachot, 
the things we say before we eat. Yes, I want the bread, but hold on, wait. Hamoti lechamina aretz. Okay, now I can eat. We do it through fasting, one of our more common rituals. We do it through the holidays, through Shabbat. We inculcate in our youth at an early age, and in all of us, we keep this muscle group strong, the ability to delay, to restrain, before reaching out for the thing that we might want to take. And the rabbis tell us that this has many different benefits to it. So the rabbis in the Gemara, in the Talmud, in the Talmud, in Masechet Kedushin, sorry, excuse me, they say that if you want to find a person of, of the highest quality, look to see who embodies silence. Silence. Those who are the most silent have the highest pedigree and quality to them. They're able to restrain themselves. The Mishnah says, Ezehu Gibor, who is mighty, the one who can lichvoshet yetzero, the one who can subjugate their own desires. That true might and power comes from being able to say, yes, of course I want that thing, but hold on. But wait, I'm going to take a second. And why is it something that we desire so much, or why is this a trait that we find worthy? Gives us an ability to be intentional about what we do. We stop and we think before we act. Why am I doing this? Why do I want that thing? Is it good? Is it bad? Should I? Shouldn't I? What should I be thinking about while I do this thing? We have these moments of intentionality that we ingrain into our lives as we take a second to hold back before we do something. We're told that God, God's self, the fundamental act of creation, and we'll come back to this, is God restraining God's self. This is getting into some Kabbalistic stuff here, but the idea of tzimtzum, that in the beginning all was God, and God had to restrict God's self, restrain God's self, and create an area where there wasn't any God in order for a world to exist in the first place. The idea of restraint is central to who we are, and it's central to our character that we read about this morning. Joseph, for whom restraint and self-control are central. His fundamental slip, we might think at the very beginning, is his lack of self-control. He has a dream, he tells about it. He can't help himself. He walks around saying, hey, you know, I had a dream that I'm going to be better than all of you, right? He's Dania, I look handsome, I look smart. I'm not singing, I apologize. Okay, <laughs> this is off the rails already. Um, Yosef. His fundamental lack of restraint is what gets him into trouble. And then he learns restraint. He learns restraint in the extreme. When Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him and he says, no, nothing at all, I want none of this, even though it lands him in jail. And then the rest of his arc is about him figuring out the right way to restrain and not restrain, to mete out his dreams just enough to talk about for the butcher and for the cupbearer, the baker and the cupbearer and for the pharaoh. And his saving of Egypt is one of restraint. Oh, we're going to gather all of the food. We're going to hold it back during the good years and then we're going to parcel it out during the lean years. He's figured it out. And we're told when he meets his brothers and they first show up, that he has to atzmo, that he has to restrain himself. And he restrains himself throughout the first ordeal of the brothers when they come and they ask for food and they get food and then they go back and they come back and they bring Benjamin with them. And we're told in this week's Parsha, that Yosef was not able to restrain himself. 
And that's when he sends the Egyptians out of the room and he reveals himself to his brothers. He says, Ani Yosef, Achi Yosef, is my father still alive? In this moment of non-restraint, no one can seem to agree what he was restraining in the first place. So Rashi says his restraint was he wanted to reveal himself, but the Egyptians were around and he couldn't send them away. And he needed to, then his lack of restraint was then sending them away so that he could just be himself. And Shadal says, no, his restraint was that he didn't really like his brothers all that much, but Benjamin, he did. And so when he sees Benjamin, he's not able to hold back the love he feels just for this one brother. Others say it's that restraint is he really wanted to ask about his dad. He couldn't stop himself from finding out whether Jacob was still alive or not. And that was the restraint that he could not have. A congregant of ours who was talking about this during Minion one day, Mark, thank you for your words of wisdom on this, says, no, the Torah has it wrong. Mark said this, not me. The Torah has it wrong that his restraint, he was not restraining himself as he was essentially torturing his siblings when they were coming and trying to get food. And the restraint comes later than when he says, okay, fine, 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 I'm going to hold back. And Mark, you don't know this, but you intuited what the Nitivot Shalom was saying about this. Maybe you did know. I, excuse me. Maybe you did. We didn't talk about it. So the Nitivot Shalom says the restraint that Joseph had was restraining himself from forgiving his siblings. Because he knew he wanted to. He knew forgiveness was the right way to go. But he had to teach them a lesson first. Now, the Nitivot Shalom doesn't say that teaching a lesson is uh, one of anger and, oh, i got to teach him a lesson. It's, no, that these brothers were all ego and they had to learn to minimize their own ego. And the way that he taught them that was by lording over them as the second in control of Egypt, etc., etc. And he was restraining his inner desire to forgive them so that they would learn a lesson. And when it says, he was not able to do this anymore because he just had to announce himself to his brothers and forgive them. But in this moment here, with the Nitzivot Shalom, we see restraint isn't always just about us. Yes, perhaps, as the Mishnah says, it's about our own strength, right? Building the muscle group of self-restraint, fine. Maybe it's about thinking about how we relate to others, but still fundamentally about our else, according to the Gemara. Okay, fine. But the Nitivot Shalom says, no, no, no. Restraint might not actually be about you. It's about Joseph teaching his siblings a lesson. It's about Joseph being there for them. When God does tzimtzum, when God restrains God's self in order to create, it's not about God. It's about us. And this lesson is important for all of us today. Because we're all being asked to restrain ourselves in some way. We're being asked to restrain where we go or how we act. We're being asked to restrain uh, what we look like or just hold back literally our breath in some way. And it's actually not about us. We might be able to find something worthy in it. There are many silver linings, please God, in the world in which we live, being able to spend more time with family, more time with ourselves, getting to do new things, learn to play the ukulele, whatever it might be. Of course, there are things that we have, but we are fundamentally restricting who we are. And that's hard. But it's not actually about us. It's about other people. It's about restraining where we go so that we can save the lives of others. 
It's about restricting literally our own breath in some ways so that others might have that breath. It's thinking about other people and modifying our actions accordingly. And that is something, my friends, that Jews have been preparing for for millennia. We think about this all the time. And so we take strength from the lessons of Joseph. If Joseph is able to not reveal himself to his own brothers after not seeing them for however long it was, surely we can skip maybe a family get-together here and there. If our people, if God is able to restrict God's self, something God doesn't need to do, but just in order to create the world, okay, we can take a little bit of a break so that our world can continue. This is a lesson that we are going to need for a little while longer. Frankly, it's probably a lesson we're going to need for a lot longer. Not just about our current pandemic and keeping everyone healthy, but the way that we live as a society. We're going to need to perhaps we're going to have to perhaps conquer our own desires for the sake of others as we live through this world. It's a good life habit to be in. It's one that is important to be sure. We will grow stronger for it. We will also make more room for other people. Whether we are making room for other people who are traditionally left out of our society or we're making more room for other relations and friends of ours who we just traditionally leave out of a conversation. That might be speaking, speaking personally there. We need to master this art of Spanningsbogen, this art of self-imposed delay, because it's what will keep the world around us safe. It's what will allow us to be intentional as we move out into the world. And as we please God someday soon, hit that chapter 45, verse 1 moment when we are able to not restrain ourselves anymore and we can see one another again. May it come speedily soon. We will still have this muscle group of restraint so that whatever is being asked of us in the future, we will be stronger people. We will be more able to be caring for those around us. We will be more intentional about how we act because we've perfected the action of not acting. That is what will serve all of us as we go out into the future. It's going to be hard. It really will be. I know. It's hard for me. But it's so important. So let us draw strength from Yosef. Let us draw strength from our tradition. Let us draw strength from our rituals, which help us keep on this track. Let us move forward with restraint and intention and caring for others around us as we go out into this world. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. See you in shul.